All right. Um, hey, listen, you can go ahead in your Bibles or on your device, whatever. Turn to Psalm 139. We're going to be there in just a few minutes. Um, I'm going to set it up for you. I've, I've told you last week when we do these weeks that are like standalone messages, I love these because it just gives me uh, just freedom just to, if you could see my journal, my journal's like a word here, a word there, a circled, scratched through, whatever. I'm just like, God, what are you saying? And I just, I'm able to jot stuff down, and and then sometimes I get, it just all comes together. And so, like, last week we talked about being in training, if you were here, if you watched it online. Um, and so next week we're kicking off this brand new series called Party of Twelve. And I don't know if you've noticed this or not, but um, you probably haven't noticed at all that the country's divided. So probably haven't noticed that at all. Am I, have you noticed? Was that a surprise for you? <laughs> People just are not getting along, right? It's crazy. And um, so next week we're starting a series called Party 12 that God put on my heart over a year ago um, as I was praying about, God, what can we do as a church? How can we teach in your word that would intentionally help us prepare for this election, right? That y- Y'all know this happening in November. And, you know, some people don't seem to get along with that. They don't seem to have the same opinion. And so our country is so divided just into two parties. And God really dropped this party of 12 thing, thought in my brain. And what he told me was, you know, if you really look at the disciples, and by the way, if you want to do some pre-series preparation, I would suggest watching The Chosen. Um, if you watch that, you have to download the app and airplay it to your TV and all that kind of stuff. Once you figure that out, once you figure the technology out and you start watching The Chosen, you'll see what we're going to talk about. I don't know if you realize this, but we read, we almost romanticize Scripture, right? So we read the Gospels. We read about guys like Matthew and Peter and, and Mark and all these guys. And we just kind of picture in our mind, like, kumbaya, right? Like, like they would hang out with Jesus during the day. And Jesus would do a couple of miracles, and at night they would, like, build a fire and do s'mores or whatever they did back then that, and sing kumbaya. And, like, we just picture, like, they all just got along. They were, they were all best pals. And as you're going to see in this Party of Twelve series, they wouldn't have liked each other if it wasn't for Jesus. They wouldn't have gotten along if it wasn't for Jesus. And so what united them, who united them, was way stronger than what separated them. And I think it's a message that the church needs to remember. That we're united because of Jesus, right? Not because of a donkey or an elephant or a couple colors or whatever. We're, we're united because of Jesus. And so that's what we're going to do in Party of Twelve. We're just going to take, um, like, all the Sundays up to the election. We're just going to learn more about these disciples that followed Jesus. And I, I, now that I've studied about them, I picture, <laughs> I picture Jesus walking and they're walking behind Jesus and doing that. <laughs> <laughs> like every now and then, just like jabbing each other in the in the ribs, like or if they could just get in. I think of middle school boys, right? Well, like they're they're always looking for an opening to punch somebody, right? And yeah, right. You're like, yeah, that's why I don't like middle school boys, right? It's it's crazy. I just now I pictured the disciples like middle school boys, like they just didn't get along. But then if Jesus had turned around, they'd have been like, you know. So I think it's freeing for us to understand that Jesus can relate to where we are as a country. He knows where we are. He understands where we are. And so all that to say, what I'm going to teach you this morning, it's, it's a standalone message for sure, and it's called The Maker. But this is foundational 
to where we're going to head over the next few weeks. And, and I say this a lot in our church. So if you're here this morning and you, you're like, that was kind of cool. I like the singing. I'm not sure I even like Jesus, but I, so far I like this place. I say this a lot. The truth of God is so true that there are people that don't love Jesus and they still live by that truth. Because it's so universal, it's so true. Now, they don't know where it came from. And I'm going to share a truth with you this morning that God dropped in my heart a couple weeks back that is so true, it's so foundational that you already do this. All your friends already do this, and some of them don't even love Jesus, okay? Now, it comes from God, but to tell you what this is, we're going to do something that's a little bit different. I'm going to tell you a story. Can I tell you a story? Okay, see if you can relate to this. So, you, you have a phone, and it's super old. You know, maybe, I mean, just hypothetically, maybe you had like an iPhone 6S or something like that. As a family, every family member had the same old phone, right? So you have this old phone, and, it's, and you finally, it's time to upgrade it, right? So you take, you go in, maybe you can trade that old one in and get, you know, some credit, like, you know, $5 or something for it. And in return... They hand you this awesome, shiny, way bigger than you expected to get, probably more memories, more storage than you had in the last one because you learned that the last one you got tired of always trying to, I'm just making all this stuff up. Of course, you got tired of having to delete stuff so you could add stuff. So you, you spent a little bit more money or you opted for a little bit of a higher monthly payment to get like the most storage you could get on this phone and you took that thing out. They asked you if you want insurance and you're like, no. So you take it back home with you, you play with it for a couple of days, and then it starts doing weird stuff, right? Like it starts doing stuff like, like you have super fast internet at your house, and it's just dropping it. Like you can't even stay connected. Or you start noticing that like people are asking you, why did I miss your call? And you're like, what are you talking about? And you're, you're butt-dialing everybody, and you don't even know it. Like, it's just doing random, random things. It's doing so many random things that you know that something's wrong with that phone, right? And so what you realize in this story is you need to, you need to get your phone fixed, right? Are we, are we together on this so far? That was awful. Are we together on this? Like, you know you need to get this phone fixed. And so the next step is... Where do I take my phone to get it fixed? Now, what I'm going to show you in just a minute on these screens is I'm going to show you two logos. One has the number one next to it, and one has the number two next to it. And all I want you to do is actually use your hands and hold up the number that corresponds with where you're taking your phone to get it fixed. Are you ready? I just noticed I got really excited. I was like, are you ready? I have to pee or something. So here we go. So. We're going to show it, and I just, as soon as you see it, either one or two. Everybody's going to do this. Hold it up high. Be proud. Okay, where are you taking your phone to get it fixed? Go. Okay. We have some children who are not raising hands because they're looking at their parents like, I told you I needed to have a phone. Right? Now, here's, here's the truth. You can put your hands down. So I knew it. I don't know if you know this or not, but like Apple and Samsung, they have the, the lion's share of the market in America. I think Apple's like hovering right around 50% and Samsung's somewhere around 26%. And all the rest of it's just being fought for by smaller companies like, you know, Google. Um, but the truth of the matter is, and here's what God dropped in my heart. You held up the number 
of the manufacturer that corresponds with what? The phone. You're taking your phone to an authorized dealer for the, the manufacturer who made your phone. Now, here's what's going to happen in this very moment. In this very moment, on the inside, I'm like, this is awesome. And you're like, why is that so such a big deal? I don't understand. Turn to Psalm 139, okay? Check this out. Psalm 139, here's what the word says. Speaking about God, the psalmist writes, you made all the delicate inner parts of my body. You knit me together in my mother's womb. Thank you for making me so wonderfully complex. Your workmanship is marvelous. How well I know it. You watched me as I was being formed in utter seclusion, as I was woven together in the dark of the womb. You and I have a maker. And what God dropped in my heart a couple weeks back, and it all started because somebody in our family did have to take a device to get it worked on, and, and when we were looking at where to take it, God was like, Paul, you know what's crazy is I made you. And you don't come to me when you need to get fixed. You try to jailbreak your life. You try to fix it on your own. Or you go to a friend who might know how to help you. But you don't come to me. And I'm the one who made you. You actually live out my truth with your device more than you do with your life. Are you seeing how this is like, can you imagine, you could have conversations with your unsaved friends. You could share the gospel just through that one simple story because they'd be like, well, of course if I have an iPhone, I'm taking it to an Apple dealer, duh. Well, then why don't you take your broken life to God? Because he made you. But we don't do that. We try to figure it out on our own. So we're always at this level trying to figure out how to fix our broken lives. We'll have groups. Well, nobody does group texts, right? So we'll do group chats or we'll go to dinner and we'll get a bunch of people that are at the same level of problem as we are. And we'll ask them for advice about how we should fix our lives. And they're looking at you like, I feel your pain. I don't know what to do with it because I got the same problem. And so what I want you to see this morning is that God wants us to look up to the heavens, to be reminded who our maker is, to take our lives to the one who knows the best. Big idea says this, things make more sense when we look to the maker. They make more sense when we look to the maker. Now we just, this, this one um, verse is really stuck in my head because we just did that series called Discomfort. Remember that? That was when I, we were still like shooting messages outside. And I, I remember the first one, I'm sitting in a, in a recliner that was in a field, right? And we're talking about how God called Abraham to leave what he knew and to go to somewhere he didn't know he was going to go. So it's basically God just said, Abraham, just get up and start moving. And because Abraham's like most of us in the room, he's like, when do I know I get there? I'll tell you. <laughs> he's like, ah. But in Genesis 15, 5, he told Abraham to look where? Do you remember? 
look up and see the stars. <laughs> I feel like I'm in Monsters Incorporated, right? At 12 o'clock, the room will be painted, <laughs> right? He said, look up and see the stars. And he said, when you look at the stars, he said, your descendants are going to be more numerous than the stars. It got me thinking, like, do you know those kind of verses are in the Bible all over the place? 662 times the Bible talks about heavens. Either it talks about how we'll go to heaven or it says look up at the heavens. But 662 times the Bible mentions heaven. I would say that God wants us to look up a lot, wouldn't you? Because there's something about looking up that helps us remember who we are. Looking up brings us hope and help. Romans chapter 1 says that if we look up, if we see creation, we're, we're, we're without excuse because anybody, I, this is the Paul translation, any old fool when they look at creation would realize we didn't get here by accident, right? That's, again, that's the Paul translation. That's not the King James. The King James says any old fooleth. So looking up a lot. Here's, what, here's five things, okay? I'm going to show you five things that we learn when we look up, five things that we see. Um, all have Scripture. You just jot these Scriptures down. We'll put them up on the screen as well. Job chapter 22, verse 12 says this. Isn't God as high as the heavens? That's a rhetorical question. So it's, the answer is yes, right? And then he continues and says, and look at the highest stars, how lofty they are. Now, when you read Job you know, the story of Job is like he's under a lot of attack and he's not feeling well. He's got bulls all over his body. He's lost his family. He's lost his job, all that stuff. And so he's got some friends that come around him to, to encourage him. And by the time that they get done encouraging him, he's a lot more discouraged. Do you have friends like this? Get rid of them, right? So not everything that you read in Job is necessarily true because his friends gave him some really bad advice. But this verse is good advice because what the friend was saying was, hey, hey, listen, Job, look up at the sky and pick out the highest star possible. See it? You got it? You got it? Yeah, right there, that one. God's higher than that. So when we look up, we see the size of God and we gain perspective. You see that? When we look up, we see the size of God. And when we see the size of God, suddenly we are like, holy cow, uh, I'm tiny compared to God. But it's not enough just to be big. Um, I know some guys that are huge. I was like, you pastor for 20 some odd years. I can remember meeting teenage boys. They would walk in, and big teenage boys are the best, right? Because they, like, they're they're awkward and they don't know they don't have any awareness of body space, and so they're bumping into stuff and people, and they don't know how to use deodorant. It's great. It's great. It's awful stuff. Pray for every youth pastor. So I remember meeting, like, boys, and I'd be like, God, you must, you must play football, right? You ever meet somebody that's so big, you're just like, you've got to be some kind of professional athlete. Like, you're, you know, you play football, you, you know, you're like sumo wrestler. <laughs> I mean, something, right? And they would like, no, I don't, I don't play anything. So, like, Size is one thing. And when we look up at God and we see the size of God, that's good. But if he's only big, then that's, 
that's not enough, right? It's like these big boys that they, if they knew how to use their size, they could do some damage on the football field, right? But they don't know how to use their size, and so they're just big. But God's not just big. Isaiah chapter 40, verse 26. Isaiah 40, 26 says this. Look up into the heavens. Who created all the stars? The answer is God. He brings them out like an army, one after another, calling each by its name. Because of his great power and incomparable strength, not a single one is missing. So when we look up, we see the size of God and we gain perspective, but we also see the strength of God and we gain protection. If he's able to look out for the stars, then you know he can look out for us, right? Number three, Psalm 121, 1 through, I think this was your verse, wasn't it? Yeah. You're sitting there going like, he got a lot out of that verse. If you're not doing jump starts, you need to start doing jump starts, right? So jump start happens every Monday through Friday at 730. It goes live on our Facebook page. Just a really short verse, quick explanation. And this was the one that Bridget did this past Friday. I love how that works out. So Psalm 121, 1 through 2 says this. I look up to the mountains. Does my help come from there? My help comes from the Lord who made heaven and earth. So when we look up, we see the salvation of God and we gain peace, right? We go, oh, my help's not coming from mountains. It's not coming from somewhere I can see. It's coming even from somewhere higher than that, from someone higher than that. I've got salvation coming. And knowing that salvation is coming, knowing that my help is coming can give me peace, Right? And I just want to want you to know it's not maybe he'll save me, he will save us. Isaiah 35 4 says this say to those with fearful hearts. Anybody here can, re can relate to fearful hearts? Some translations say, say to those who are anxious. Anybody relate to anxiety? Okay, so this is what the word of God says be strong and do not fear, for your God is coming to destroy your enemies, he is coming to save you. When we look up, we see the salvation of God, and we gain peace. Now, this causes the problem, right? Don't point out the people that you know that this applies to, because they're probably sitting next to you. Who here is impatient? Oh, so you're just confessing. Okay, that's, that's even better. If we know, if we look up and see the salvation of God, we know, okay, my help's coming from God. I know that help's on the way. I know he is going to save me. Then that creates a problem, right? The problem is like, yeah, but when? When will God come through? When will he save me? And if, if, you're, if you are an impatient person, um, you're going to struggle because the obvious answer is not as soon as you want him to. Second Peter chapter 3, verse 9 says, the Lord is not slow in keeping his promise, as some understand slowness. Instead, he's patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. I believe this, that when we look up, we see the speed of God, and we gain patience. I can't tell you to have this mindset. I can only tell you how we have as a family tried to function. But when God doesn't come through as fast as we want him to, which is always, 
we used to, I used to complain a lot. God, dude, you can say that to God. What is taking so long? What, what are you waiting for? Hey, if you just read the Psalms, you'll see this all the time, right? <laughs> David's like, please kill my enemies faster, right? Just when are you going to come through? I know you will, but when? And now my prayer is more, God, help me understand your timing, right? Can you imagine being able to sit with somebody and they say, when is God going to rescue me? And you're able to tell them, I, I don't know, but the longer he's waiting, there's a reason that there's somebody in this equation that does not yet know his mercy. It does not yet know his kindness because it says in the verse we just read that he's patient because he wants everyone to come to repentance. When we look up, we see the, the speed of God and we gain patience. And then here's the last one. When we look up, we see the Son of God. This is so important. Because everything I've talked about until now can just make you feel better. But the only thing that's going to change us is Jesus. So when we look up, we see the Son of God and we gain perfection. Hebrews chapter 12, verses 1 and 2. Here's what it says. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a huge crowd of witnesses to the life of faith, let us strip off every weight that slows us down, especially the sin that so easily trips us up. And let us run with endurance the race God has set before us. We do this by keeping our eyes on Jesus. We look up and we see the Son of God, the champion who initiates and perfects our faith. Have you seen those bumper stickers that say Christians aren't perfect, just forgiven? Yes. I don't, are they still around? I, see, I used to see them all the time. So I used to tell people that they should, they should tell people that's not true, right? That the bumper sticker should say Christians aren't perfect, but they're supposed to be. Because God said, be holy as I'm holy, right? Like, it's not enough just to go, well, I'm just not perfect. You know, I'm, I'm forgiven. No, he actually is, according to this, Jesus is actually perfecting our faith. I mean, every day I should wake up and become a little bit more like Jesus, right? All of us should. But it's not on us to do it, right? I don't go buy a self-help book, read it, and try to figure out how to apply it. No, like, I'm, I'm actually, according to uh, Romans 8, 29, I'm actually destined to be conformed to the image of Jesus. I'm actually destined to look like Jesus, and so are you. So when I look up and see Jesus, I see perfection. I gain perfection because he's the one that's the author and the finisher of my faith. So... If I'm looking at him, if I'm getting his perspective and he's working in my life, I'm becoming like Jesus. Have you noticed that you become like what you look at? Or at least do you become like what you listen to? <laughs> become like what you're around, right? Like if you've ever seen somebody, their entire wardrobe changes, it's because they started hanging out with people who dressed entirely differently than they used to. Some of y'all are like, mm-hmm, that's right. He's preaching at you, boy, right? We become like what we're around. Why is worship so important for a believer? Because whatever we're worshiping is what we're going to become like. And so when I worship Jesus, I become like Jesus. When I worship the Panthers, why would anybody want to do that, especially now, right? 
then I go to a Panthers game and I'm like, I'll start looking like the Panthers. Everything I wear will be black and blue and I'll be depressed all the time. <laughs> like you become like what you worship. If you're all about money, then you'll look like you're all about money. We become like what we're looking at. Why does God say to look up to the heavens so much? Because he wants us to become like that. So here's, here's the bottom line. All we can do is when our lives are shattered, when they're broken, we've got to take them somewhere. So our choices are anything at this level in this life or back to the maker. And I want to encourage you, man, take your life to the maker, Right? Take your life to the person, the God who, who knit you together in your mother's womb, who made you the way that you are for a reason. He made you on purpose for a purpose. And nobody can fix that like he can. So this morning, here's what I want us to do. Just We'll just close the service like this. Just right where you are. Just close your eyes. And I just want to pray for you, right? I just want to pray that you would... Take your life, the parts of your life that aren't working like you want them to, take them back to Jesus. Right? Don't look for an app for that. Don't try to jailbreak your life, try to fix it on your, on your own. Take it back to the only, the only person who knows you better than you know yourself. I can guarantee you this. When God was knitting us together in our mother's wombs, when he was crafting us, the Bible, we read that in Psalm 139 when he was doing that and it was, he was intimately forming us. He knows how you tick. He knows what you need. And there's nobody on this planet that can give you what you need like he can. And so even as your eyes are closed, as you're kind of thinking through your life, I want you to think through. Some of you could be in a place right now where like your whole life is just jacked up. Some of you just might have a part of your life that's just not functioning like it's supposed to. You know, we, we joke about, like, when devices don't completely work the right way and they call people that we didn't mean to call. Or they shut off when we're trying to do something or an app keeps crashing. Like, we see these, and they just become, like, annoyances. But even in our lives, we can have those areas that are just like annoyances, and we try to fix them on our own. And this morning, I want to tell you, take it to the Maker. Take it to the maker and let him fix your life. And it all starts by simply saying, God, I'm giving you the broken pieces. I'm giving you this part of my life that's not functioning. And I want you to begin to speak into that area your truth. Father, I pray for people in the room right now who are whispering prayers that goes something like, I'm not really sure everything that Paul just talked about. But I did get this, God, that you made me. And that nobody knows me better than you do. I don't even know myself better than you know me. So, God, I'm done trying to fix my life on my own. I'm done trying to fix it with advice from friends who only know the same perspective I do. God, today I'm choosing to look up. And by looking at you, my life can make sense because you're the one who made my life. 
God, I pray that you would help us to treat our lives the same way that we treat our devices. That we would never be the ones who treat our devices better than we treat who we are. That our lives would be placed in your hands. And I ask right now, God, the creator of heaven and earth, the creator of everyone that's sitting in this room, I ask God now in your name, Jesus, that you would begin to knit back together, to remake, reform the parts of our lives that aren't functioning the way you designed them to. In your name, Jesus, amen. Amen. So listen, guys, as you head out today, I'm going to be here. If you want prayer for anything at all, mask will be on. I'd love to pray with you. Um, you want prayer for the Holy Spirit, that's the spot to be, all right? We would, we would love to pray for you. If not, you're going to kind of head out that way. You can drop your offering off in that little box right there on the way out the door. I pray you have a fantastic afternoon. Um, and you watch the Panthers win. We'll see. Well, who knows that we have faith to believe, right, against all hope. Um, next week, 9 o'clock and 11 o'clock, not 10 o'clock. Do not come at 10 o'clock. Next week at 9 or 11. If you're interested in helping us and serving in any way to help us love on people next week, definitely let us know that. We'd love to get you hooked up with the serving team for sure. Y'all have a fantastic afternoon.